All right, good morning. It's uh, 7.30 in the morning. And what do we got for a day today? It is already September 13th. And the weather is getting a little nicer. It's 80 degrees, 25% humidity, 80 degrees. Wow, it's getting a little drier. Dew point is only 41. It hasn't, the dew point hasn't been this low in a long time. No wonder it feels pretty good here. So, Bud, I got to put the harness on you. Was it? It's Friday the thirteenth. Holy cow! Just, just realize that, folks. Friday the thirteenth. Here, Bud. So, mood. What kind of mood am I in? I'm, I'm kind of in a little downer mood, but I'm also recognizing it and I'm fighting it off. So, that's something for me to think about. So I'm processing, right? I'm processing. The podcast helps me um, process, I suppose. So probably nothing unique to me. I mean, we're all unique people, but my issues right now are job, income, (laughs) minor, minor things, you know, minor things. And I, and I analyze it, try to figure out what's... Is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with me? Probably. I mean, I'm different, unique. I just got to find uh, the classic statement, find the right fit. The right fit. So I went to like a semi-networking. It was unofficially a networking. It is a networking event. On aerospace and defense last night. And... Um, yeah, it was a challenge to me because I'm like... I have, I like to understand things and be, include all avenues of, of business. And, um, I hadn't been, I had not been to this networking session before, but I'm optimistic that there's people I should be connecting with. And there was, there was the, um, uh, recruiter. So when companies want to find somebody, um, to help them with business development, sales, marketing, what have you. They uh, look to recruiters to go find somebody. So um, I wanted to meet that recruiter, so I did. So mission accomplished. And met uh, Joanna again and got an invite to go have coffee in a a week. So... um, you know, that, that's probably all I can, I should expect, right? But unfortunately, the 45 minutes to an hour of it was a presentation from a um, a big corporation that I used to work at. And, you know, the, the, the gentleman was from program management. And program management, boy, they, you can really analyze things. And even the example he gave was like a light bulb for a, C-130 aircraft, right? So I'm like, come on. Really, you're going to invest all this money analyzing, like, the delivery of a light bulb? You know. Now, I know it's a little more complicated than that. And I know there's all kinds of engineering things in there. There's a design, and it's got to operate a certain number of hours and blah, 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 and so forth. So lighting, believe it or not, is a big deal for aircraft. I never really understood why, because you're flying, none of these pilots really are looking for 
other airplanes with lights on them. I mean, they fly by instrumentation and there's radar and they have instruments and screens that show where other aircraft are in the air. But for tradition reasons, maybe also on taxiing when you're on the ground and you're taxiing an airplane, it's helpful to have lights. But I don't know if you've been to an airport at night, you've probably seen there's lights everywhere. So, you know, I guess it ha- you know, it's important, lighting on the wing. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what that says about me because I just analyze the crap out of it and I'm thinking, well, okay, well, fine. But I mean, do you use the same program management tools for um, a light bulb on the wing as you do the engine, for example? And I'm biased towards engines because that's what I've spent my uh, life in. But, you know, so what do I take away from this? I mean, I'm sensitive right now to finding work. And I know I usually get enthusiastic about any job that comes along. And I'm not exactly in a position to be picky, right? So I'm balancing that history with, uh, you know, what's a good fit. So definitely going back into that big corporate world and analyzing charts and project management numbers for a big corp like that is not my thing. Now, that f- there's a whole supply chain, so that may be driven by Boeing and all these big aerospace and defense firms at the very top are saying, we need this kind of program management reporting system and data because we want to know and all these things. And so probably at a small company, I'd be all right because I understand all this stuff flows down from above and you just need to be compliant with all these things. So what am I doing on this podcast? I'm just talking, um, processing what happened last night. What's in it for you? Well... I don't know, you get to listen in on my thoughts. And on the spiritual side, um, some interesting things come up. Um, I'm kind of like on a sabbatical from my church. Kind of like, in my mind, my reasoning, and I'm not saying I'm right, I'm not digging in on it, but I kind of feel hurt by them because... I just feel like they don't care to understand me. I got rebuffed and labeled as unruly and uh, contentious and contrarian. And I, I, and I had a discussion with my wife. So my wife's been still going to the church. She likes to sing. She does her thing. Um, I'm disappointed in the church over 20, 15, 20 years of of not really like reaching out and having great relationships. So it's a, it's a church of led by an intellectual dude for many years, really in the head, not really uh, valuing maybe relationships and how, how important family relationships are. So without any strong guidance on how to build relationships, community, caring for one another, the, the church became kind of like an intellectual discussion on theology 
And I'm, I can fit in with that. I'm pretty adaptable. So I'm like, okay. Subtly, the message is like, okay, we're going to read these scriptures and talk about them. And so what ended up happening was you go in and you listen to an expert, so to speak, talk about, let's say, Philippians, the book of Philippians for four weeks, right? So they go in and they read the passages and then they tell you what it means and they tell you some historical context. And you listen on a Sunday morning and you think, okay, that was good. And then you go on your way. And and oh, by the way, we have programs at the church. We have growth groups. You know, you really, you know, then the message is like, you really can't grow unless you get in a group. And that's kind of where the the breakdown occurs because the groups... And maybe it's a, if I was a church studier, dude, consultant, I'd be like, well, you have a church of 400 people, 300, 400, maybe 500. You know, it's, uh, and you just kind of let a free-for-all people, like a group themselves how they want, which, okay, so for a lot of people, that's okay. But it tends to happen and has happened as you get clicks, right? So certain people feel more comfortable with certain people, and then they... They, uh, it's like, hey, I'm hanging out with these. And maybe that's just life. But there's some oddball people. I'm an oddball person. My wife's kind of an oddball person. We're different. But, I mean, are we really that different from everybody else? We breathe. You know, the messages, we're all part of the body. We all have different parts of the body. You know, that's, that's probably where this discussion is going to end up at is... What does it mean to be part of the body and the foot and the hand and the thumb and the eye and the ear and the uh, nose and all have different functions and so forth. So um, there is a growth group that oddly enough, I finally decided let's go to this one last year. And the guy is pretty well known, the leader of his house. He's known as a really loving person. And I think I've, I've mentioned this person before. He does. He is definitely. His reputation is stellar. You know, people. People uh, see him as stellar. And. Uh, but he, I, I had my interaction with him. I mean, I, it was strange too because we probably like last January. So for like. Four months, we'd meet pretty regularly, and I was well-behaved, quote-unquote, I was well-behaved. I'm like, I'm, I'm in acceptable behavior to them, right? But then it kind of fell apart with all this elder thing, and he actually became an elder, and I don't begrudge him of that. But that's when I'm like, oh, okay, elders are going to help us with false teaching, and I pointed some out, and they don't like it, but whatever. So I'm shunned, I'm unruly, I'm contentious, I'm whatever. And my wife said that, and I didn't know my wife was doing this, but she's going back to this group, and she was there last night. I didn't know that. I was so, well, I'm, I'm getting uh, inundated with project management details that I recognize. Um, I'm like, I, I don't know, man, I, <coughs> I don't think I can do this detailed work. I really don't think that's me. And I'm like, well, that's, 
I don't have to do that. I mean, there's lots of work out there that isn't that detailed like that and managing big things, you know. I don't, that's not me. So I'm probably okay, of course, right? I mean, we're okay. It's about finding that fit. So back to the body and spiritual thing, there's some analogy there too, and that is, you know, so my wife said that they were talking about um, someone brought up spiritual gifts and that there's like uh, weaknesses and strengths of the gifts. And, and I'm thinking like, well, I wasn't there, right? So my brain's like, you know, like someone, she said like someone's like, well, someone might have the gift of administration, which means they're really good at, at uh, repetitive things and organizing things. And it's like, I know that's not me, man. That is not me. But then they said, well, the weakness is that that person's like probably not good with relationships and understanding other people and being with other people, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, my thought was like, okay, well, remember, we're all part of a body, right? We're all, it's not there. So like if we say the administration person is like the hands of a body, they're, they're really good at whatever that means to do organizational stuff, to do put it together. And they should be celebrated. We shouldn't, I mean, to me, if you're really part of a body then, then the, the mouth shouldn't be saying like, well, that hand just isn't doing a good job relating to, to people that come into the, the church. They're not a good greeter. They don't stand at the front of the church and greet people and welcome them in. And I'm like, well, um, that's not their gift. But we shouldn't say it's a weakness. We should just say we should thank them and praise them and give them more opportunities to serve that way. And they really will enjoy it. And they would love it. And that's, isn't, I mean, isn't that the best way to look at it? And so here I am again. I wasn't even there. I didn't read the article or anything. But I've already, like, analyzed it and said, well, okay, I get it. You're saying that this administration person's weakness is... They don't have, they don't, can't deal with people very well. And I'm saying, no, let's, let's not call it a weakness. Let's just celebrate what they do well. And it kind of lines up with this concept of strength finders I've done in the last six months or a year. What are, what are people's strengths? People have different strengths, which I say are gifts. And for example, the guy last night, um, was very good at, he's probably is very good at administrating, administration. I would have to say that dude is awesome at administration because he can, he can analyze all his data and try to find some meaning out of it. To me, I'm not that kind of person. I like, why look at, I'm like shortcutting it going, I don't like all that data. I think that's an overkill. You're talking about a light bulb, man. Just get the damn light bulb made, delivered, and let's go. Let's not analyze the shit out of it, you know? But there's more complex things, too, in there. There's more. I'm, it's not just a light bulb, right? So at the same time, this is where it gets messy for a big corporation is not only are they developing a light bulb, they're also developing some kind of navigation screen and touchpad screen. It gets complicated for the pilot to fly the airplane, right? And uh, the sad thing to me is like, well, you can... Hey, but because I'm such an engine guy, 
the engines like rarely change on a plane. I mean, once the Boeing 737 has a CFM 56 and they're going to get a leap, the same company is going to provide a growth engine, a different engine. I mean, theoretically, the, that leap engine could have been beat out by Pratt & Whitney in competition, but once, once they certify the plane, it's kind of like on there forever for the next 40 years. Whereas an airplane, there you might go on, I think I was on a 747 that was probably 20 years old, 25 years old, but it probably had a new cockpit in it because the avionics, electronics uh, technology advances and it gets better. And so you get improved pilot information and that's what you want the pilot to be able to do is to fly the airplane safe, safely. So whoever's supplying the cockpit 20 years ago can get bounced out and the same airplane 747 same engines they just the airline says well we want our pilots to fly safer and have better information when they're flying so give us a new cockpit which gives us better information which makes it safer to fly but the engine stays the same the engine is the same engine that was there 20 years ago so I get it. There's a differentiation, and, and that's that's where my sweet spot is 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 appreciating the differences of different parts of an airplane and things. And and so I get a little frustrated when companies try to apply the same principles to every part of a product. You know, like, well, this is a light bulb, this is a cockpit, this is an engine, this is a landing gear. They have subtle differences. There's business differences that are critical but there's probably somebody at the top that says no we're we're a big corporation we treat everything the same because it just makes things simple and then we can roll everything up and talk about everything in the same language and whatever and and yet they're not the only company doing that and it's like their own interpretation of what Boeing wants so this big corp in the middle they call it a tier one supplier is dealing with both Airbus and Boeing, and, they, and both Airbus and Boeings have different opinions on things. So you really technically have to adapt whatever system you have to the Boeing way and the Airbus way. And then you think about it and you're like, well, you're the tier one supplier, well, who's your tier two supplier? So you say like, well, this product is going both into the Airbus and the Boeing. So now what do you do when, when Airbus flows something down to, uh, to this tier one is different than what Boeing's flowing down. But in order for that tier one to satisfy Airbus and Boeing, they have to adapt. But then the supplier's like, well, I'm making this part, it's the exact same part, identical, that I sell to this tier one. And the tier one uh, is now telling me like, well, these half your parts have to be this way for Airbus and half your parts have to be managed this way for Boeing. It's just, it's just a pain in the ass. I mean, because engineering manufacturing wise, it's like, you're not changing anything. You're just, you're just like providing more different information because Airbus decides they want some kind of statistical process control that Boeing doesn't require. And some dude at the top of Airbus is saying, nope, every supplier, every sub-tier supplier, everybody in the whole chain has to provide this data. And, and the manufacturers at the bottom are like, what? This is the exact same part. We make it the exact same way for Boeing. There's no difference. Same part number. I'm shipping it to you. It goes on your shelf. And you probably don't even differentiate between 
which ones are going to Airbus and which ones are going to Boeing. But anyways, I'm going into a lot of detail. And in some ways, I should say to myself, well, geez, Mike, you know a hell of a lot about this shit, but I don't. I don't. I know the generalities. I'm a generalist. I don't, I don't want to get it. I don't want to navigate that shit. I want to be aware of it. And I get frustrated with it. And what does that tell me about me in church, too? It's like, maybe that's very similar. You got um, Southern Baptists are kind of like Airbus, let's say, and Presbyterians are like Boeing. And so they want to flow down their beliefs to their groups. And so if you're going to be in the Presbyterian way or United Methodist way, you have to line up with their process controls and their quality system. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. And I'm like, uh, dang, this, this is just stream of consciousness, folks. This is the, anyone who listens to this, I have probably one person. And I wish someone would say, like, you know, Mike, that's really helpful, or is this like, this is just crap? What the hell? And it's like, it really, if you tell me it's crap and what the hell, it won't matter because I'm still going to do it now. I'm addicted to walking my dog. I have to walk my dog. And I don't want to call anybody on the phone. And I do process by talking, okay? So I don't know where that fits. People don't like that. People are like, no, you can't process by talking. You have to think shit out for like months on end. Figure it out and then present to me your conclusions. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm walking my dog. And I got holding a bag of, bag of dog poop, which I forgot to throw away in the garbage can, but I'll take it to my own garbage can. And again, it's information you didn't need, but I don't have an audience of one. So audience of one or none. <laughs> and, so, so church, back to church and the body and the gifts. Um, sitting here, my wife's frustrated a little bit with situations. I don't know. I, I guess she feels better if I'm working and I've got something to go to. And I'm like, I don't want a job that I just go to to punch the clock and work 40 hours a week and say, like, okay, I got my other side hustle, my other life, which it may come to that. And maybe, maybe that's what I need to do here. And I'm trying. And I'm trying to get have less expectations for my job, which doesn't make sense to me. But probably those, I think I talked previously about the 75% of the people that hate their jobs. They're still doing them, and maybe they, they find some satisfaction in just doing it. And they just show up, and they have a great life outside of work, which is what people should do. But there's some of us who really want to be integrated, where we're integrated with what we do, what our work is, and where I get our joy from and our satisfaction. It all flows as one big 24-7 life, you know? So some people say, like, well, you worked to live. And uh, others say you live to work. So there's some people who are comfortable in those camps. And I'm just, I think there's many people probably like me that are struggling because they, they want that integration of it all. But unfortunately, I'm never going to, I don't seem like I'm going to find it. I may never, I don't know. So spiritual gifts, I think because of my deep dive, and I've had comments like a fellow I saw last night, he commented a couple years ago, he said, Michael, you, you like to go deeper than other people. and People don't like to go that deep. And, and I'm talk, he's talking about like spiritual things or the Bible or reading the thing. So, 
I guess it comes back to church stuff. And my wife reluctantly said, you know, I said, well, I, and one of the problems I have with church is I think they're not accepting me as part of the body. They don't know how to fit me. They don't know what part of the body am I, knee, am I an ear, am I hair, am I eyes, am I a mouth, nose, hips, foot, toe, what? You know, what part of the body am I? I know I'm somewhere, and really, people will say you need... Other people will help identify your gifts or where you fit. Other people will tell you, hey, you should really do this, or this is what your gift is. I know my gift is not administration. I'm I'm disorganized. I'm not an organizer. But does that mean I need to throw up my hands because people want me to be organizers and go, oh, well... I'm going to suffer through this life and be an organizer and be an administrator. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to force myself to do it. I don't know. Strength Finder says, no, that's not how life is. And then, oh, but that's not a Christian organization, you know, Strength Finders. So then, <laughs> but, and if I say that to people that, you know, if I mention my personality type and, you know, the, the, this, the same loving elders, like, well, that's not even, you know, you know, that's not even biblical, you know, Myers-Briggs based on Jung and Carl Jung, and he's a German guy, and he's just a whack job psychologist, and that stuff's not even real, you know, I'm like, really? Why can't you look at it like there's all these billions of people on the planet, and we're all created in the image of God, so we all have observational powers, and we can all do things and there's a biological element. I think my wife even mentioned that in the, this discussion on gifts that were there's spiritual gifts, there's people who are gifted biologically or whatever you want to call it. But then later on when they become the Christian, when they when they they repent and receive the gospel, you know, like all of a sudden this magical gifts come on them. And they're like, Oh, well, is that not wasn't doesn't God don't we also have a teaching that God is omniscient? And God is like, sees the future and knows everything. So maybe he knows that he's going to call this person like he did Paul later in life. He didn't call Paul right away. He, he, Paul was attacking the church. It's right there in the Bible. It's clear as day. But all of his gifts were probably there before he had the encounter on the road to Damascus. He's still kind of the same guy, even though he was like going to hell before Jesus intervened in his life. And then people would be like, well, Michael, you can't talk about Paul that way because he's special. He's an apostle. Really? Well, how come later on he's always saying, be imitators of me? So Paul is, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, some people would probably say, well, I don't really agree with what you're saying, Michael, but you know, you're twisting the scripture. I'm like, well, don't you twist the scripture? Does everybody twist the scripture? I guess that's the thing. Everybody is stinking twisting the scripture for their stinking agenda, whatever their agenda is which is like, here's our Baptist process, here's our Presbyterian process, here's our quality process for the United Methodist Church, here's our process for Lutheran, you gotta fit the process. You know, and, and that's part of my message of, we gotta end this Reformation crap of trying to come up with the perfect system and perfect church doctrine and belief system and, you know, and just get over it, okay? We gotta have personal transformation, so that's what I'm trying to do is personally transform, and it is a pain in the ass. It is much harder to look in deep into my soul and see where I'm, my weaknesses are, see where I'm failing, be discouraged, but it's all on me. All my crap and difficulties are all 
can't blame everybody else. And, and, and yet, you know, so I think people find comfort in joining these organizations and saying like, well, here's our structure. This is what we believe. And uh, I now feel comfortable because I have answers for stuff that I don't understand. And as long as I stay within the bounds of this system and this reformed belief system, well, then I'm okay. Well, I'm not that guy. I'm not that person that like adapts to the system. I question it. And I, and I would say to my wife, I think I'm, I have a gift of prophecy. And, you know, that sounds pretty arrogant, right? Like, oh, well, because I don't think any of us really understand the gifts when it comes down to it. So, so I have to, no one's going to come to me and say, because prophecy sounds like such a highfalutin, impossible, like, oh, you have the gift of prophecy? No, no, you didn't go to seminary. No, you, 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 you. You couldn't possibly have the gift of prophecy. And it's because I don't think any of us really understand what the book of, well, not the book, what the gift of prophetic prophecy is. Because I think the first cut is, oh, well, you're, you're being able to predict the future. And I'm like, I don't think that's really what total prophetic is. In fact, probably I can make an argument that prophecy is people that, are saying no to the powers that be and saying, especially in, in the, the Jewish religion, right? I mean, that's what prophets did. They came along in the Old Testament and they said, hey, king, you're doing this wrong. So actually, in, in a lot of ways, I'm exactly a prophet. That's exactly who I am because I'm saying no to these stupid Reformation church concepts. And I guess I have to get comfortable with that and own it. And it's not that I'm special. I'm just one of the gifted. Just like everybody's gifted. I believe everybody's a gift. So we need to exploit our gifts, do them well, acknowledge one another, love one another, and do that. So here's some big dogs. Hey, big dogs. Morning. All right, you on a conference call already? <laughs> no, I've, I've been on them already, but not right at this moment. I got to be on them one, one minute. One minute. Yep, it's it's uh, fiscal fiscal budget season. You know, everyone's everyone's arguing for money. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Give me money, give me money, and they're saying we're you don't get no money. You don't you know? I'm I'm, I'm ready to call it in the day already. <laughs> Bullshit. Oh, well, how's your wife doing? Uh, she's good. She's working with the family business or something yep. or. Yep, she's hanging tough. All right. Selling iced Eskimos. Okay. <laughs> Well, Eskimos need ice. They just, right? Their livelihood, right? Yeah. Have a good weekend. Thanks, you too. So, Big Dog Guy and his wife, I've had conversations with them over the years. Is that networking? You know, and then networking. Am I, I mean, part of my heart and soul is like, well, maybe, maybe they have something that I can do for them. <laughs> so. And, and it's like you can't ask. It's like that's not, you can ask, but it doesn't go over well, right? It's like, hey, you got a job for me, man. But in the preferred, the good jobs probably are the ones that people go, hey, that guy's gifted at that. It's really his thing. And, you, and they also tell you in your 30, 30-second elevator speech, like, what do you do? Oh, so like last night there was supposed to be, I, I read the instructions. I was really obedient, just like an um, administrative guy would do. But it turns out, 
I'm flexible, man, because I'm not an administrative guy. But I read the instructions. They wanted a five-word introduction, right? Because they're figuring like, well, if we have 20 people there and they all, we just say, hey, tell us about yourself, what's going on, and f- f- everyone takes five minutes, then that's an hour, that's 100 minutes, it's an hour and a half. We don't have time for that. So 30-second elevator speech. And hey, how about we do it like this? Five words. Five words to describe yourself. So I'm like, well, I'm on the spot. I'm going to have to do that. I did some prep, though. And they all, you know, you Google it. You can Google, like, what are your five words? Some are saying, like, what are three keywords? And you get a few different things on the Internet. And so what do you learn about Google and stuff? Well, you got, there's information everywhere, man. It's accessible. So um, the only thing is I can't find shit about my quirkiness. But maybe I'll have to create it. Maybe I'll be the source of the quirkiness. Because that's what a prophet would do, wouldn't he? Isn't that exactly what a prophet would do? Is this is information, this is something we need to change. And we're doing it wrong. So isn't that exactly what a prophet would do? But I don't get any uh, I don't get any acknowledgement. I don't get any encouragement. Because the way we do things now in most of these places is there's one dude that's been trained like hell in a seminary for five years, studied all his frickin' knowledge and playing his day in 1 Corinthians 13, the first three verses, say, hey, you can have all this knowledge, dude, but if you don't have love, then you're nothing. So am I feeling the love? No, I'm not feeling any love. And as my wife would say, well, you know, you, you know, people get pissed off at you. You're too harsh. You're too critical. You're too contentious. You're too... Well, maybe that's because I'm a prophetic person. And I'm not. And I've given up. I used to... I mean, I guess I should say there's... It's not personal. It comes across personal, I guess, if I ask a pastor, like, hey, you know, um, you talked about Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus being raised to the dead. And, you know, I don't know if I really think that, uh, that, you know, all these things are the same or whatever. I don't know. I just, I just question, like, do you think that if, uh, if, if it was just Martha... And Jesus was kind of pissed off at Martha's attitude that he wasn't going to raise Lazarus from the dead because Martha was kind of a bitch about it. And that doesn't come out in the scripture, right? But you can sort of read it between the lines how she, she approached Jesus and said, Hey, you know, if you were here, man, he wouldn't have died. What the hell are you doing, Jesus? You know, and he didn't do anything. He goes, Get Mary. Mary came out. And Mary's like thankful, gratitude that Jesus is there. Mary doesn't bitch about how Lazarus is dead and they, you know, Jesus, it's your fault. <laughs> so, this is me. This is prophetic insight. And a pastor 10 years ago, I was like, oh, well, you, you can give the sermon next time. And I'm like, okay, really, let's do it then. You know, that's what I should have said. Okay, put me up there, man. But they won't, because I'm not seminary trained, and I, this, this is not culturally right. And you know, I'm not a, I, I, my my reputation is you know contentious and unloving and unruly and blah blah blah. Well, that's their failure mode. They have failed to start with the body and gifts, and they haven't asked themselves the question. Well, bug. A little bugger in my mouth. That's what that was. 
flying Arizona desert bugs. A small one, and it's gone, so that's good. Need to get that out of there. So, um, I was saying that I don't see the celebration of the various gifts and the encouragement. So instead of asking themselves, what, what is Michael's gift? What do you think it is? Can we encourage him in his gift? He's got a gift. Let's not just assume he's unruly and contentious and no good and, and contrarian just for the hell of it. Maybe we should listen to this guy. But no, that's prophets were rarely listened to. So it's, it's, like, it's like feeding my own opinion, I guess. And I have to deal with it. And uh, it still comes down to what's, what's it for everybody. And it's transformation. And not telling people that you have to... I'm sorry, you have the gift of prophecy, but there's no room for you here. So you have to go somewhere else or something. Or we're just going to shut you down because in your heart, in your soul, in all your energy is to speak up and say, bullshit, this is wrong the way we're doing this. But I'm on my own. So that's not, that's tough. And it shouldn't be that way. And uh, I guess that's what I'm suffering from. But, but you know, Again, what, what does it come down to? The message I have to feed myself from the scriptures, and that's probably, I just to face it, that's reality. That people, organizations, exist to protect themselves. Just like the, the, the funny response, like, I said, hey, let's get out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Let's just drop that crap. Oh, that's impossible, Mark. That would be impossible, Mike. And I'm like, really? So we have a message that said, I've, I've mentioned this before. We have a message that says, nothing is impossible with God. And yet, somehow, leaving the Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention is somehow impossible. And, and really, that, that makes no sense. Right? We all know that. And, yeah, and, I, and, and I don't have an axe. I mean, I'm, I realize, because I know Roman Catholic Church isn't perfect. I know uh, Martin, the Lutheran Church isn't perfect. None of these things are perfect, but they seem to give off the message that they want to be perfect. That they've got it all figured out. So, and they got to keep their organization intact. And, uh, so that's what happens with the churches. So what is what is a listener going to get out of this? What am I? I'm home now. I'm on my own. My wife doesn't want to listen to my crap. She's she's probably an administrator type and just gets things done. And I'm the dreamer. I'm the prophet. I'm the uh, wanting things better person and uh, she's worn out after 30 years of listening to me and trying to figure things out and process and things so am I self aware? I don't know it's been 40 minutes it's finally cooled off in Arizona a little bit, it's still still hot 
it's like the middle of September. So it truly like October is when it's going to start to turn. And I'm an optimist. So I'm like, it's not bad right now in the middle of September. And a lot of people bitch about like, well, now it's going to be 100 degrees on Halloween, man. Yeah, and it might be for, for uh, it might touch 100 for an hour <coughs> on October 31st. But I can guarantee you I should have to do a podcast on October 31st and celebrate the, so what's reality? Do we, and I guess this is a message for me too. It's like, I, you know, do you, do I perceive that October 31st in Arizona is just a bitch of a hundred degrees and it's too hot and I'm going to bitch about it? Or I, my gut reality is, and I'm pretty sure my insight is true that, yeah, there may have been a Halloween someday that was like a hundred degrees at like three thirty four in the afternoon. But by the time we eight o'clock came around, it was probably like 91. And then by 10 o'clock, it was like 85 and by midnight, it was probably 80. And then the next morning at, at uh, 6 in the morning, it was probably um, 70 degrees. So all this bitching, that pe- it's an attitude, you know. And <coughs> I have very few people to talk to. So Juan is one who'll listen. My wife's worn out from my shit. And I'm saddened because I'm still processing a message. And I know there's an enemy and there's negative thoughts and that's helping me get through my experience last night saying, you know, I don't have to try to fit into that program management world. And in fact, the guy even admitted like most of the people watching, in fact, probably every one of them there was like, okay, I see a lot of difficulty there. Does it really have to be that difficult? (laughs) And, And I just don't want to, I appreciate it. And this is where gifts come in is like, I can... Instead of like arguing with, I'm not arguing with this guy at all. So I guess there's some maturity that's like with age where this guy's job for the last eight years is managing all this data and, and making it better. And to me, I know it would drive me crazy and I just don't want to be, that's not me. And that's, I was in the right spot at at Honeywell in sales. And, and yet I had this bad experience with somebody and just derailed me and I'm kind of, I'm pissed at it, but and what else, what else do I say? You know, uh, I guess it's the, the same thing at the church. Like people don't know how to read me. They think something, they think I'm argumentative and stuff. And I'm just asking questions and it's probably the way I do it with the energy I bring to questions. It, uh, people, I'm an outlier. This is, and I got I don't, I don't know where my home is. So that's, that's that. Thanks for listening. I don't know if anyone listened. I don't know if there was massive impact from this message, but it's my reality. It's my frustration, my thing I have to go deal with. And I am a bit sweaty, so I'm going to have to go cool off and keep moving, keep making contact. I've got a, a many emails to send out and, uh, and there you go. So did I give you those five words? No, I didn't. So I stood up there in the meeting and nobody was doing the five words thing, right? So it got to me near the end and I said, well, here's my five words. I am adventurous, resilient, brainstorming solution finder, and intentional people connector, okay? So technically it's more than five words. So if you swing that together, 
And I'd be like, well, if an engineer listens to that, he'd be like, hey, that's not five words, man. And um, so I thought this out ahead of time, right? So I didn't get any pushback. It was kind of funny. People recognized. I told it to somebody on the phone, and he's like, uh, I don't think it was five words, man. And it's like, he goes, I guess it depends on your hyphenated things, right? You know, yeah. So like solution finder, you could hyphenate that, I think. I don't know, some of you grammar whizzes out there and editors can do that. So if I combine solution finder and people connector with a hyphen, because that's kind of a terminology, I say there was only four concepts there. Adventurous, resilient. So adventurous is I take risks, I go to stuff, I go to Germany, I work at a German company, not knowing what the future is, getting stuck over there and not dealing with it well, but I got back home, I got back to the United States. I had somebody move, move me and pay for me. And uh, so uh, that's my story there. So, so adventurous, resilient. So resilient is like, in some ways, I can make an argument that I've been shit on by a lot of people, but that's where I take um, encouragement from Joseph because he certainly was shit on. And, uh, and, and then it's like, it's a, it's a dilemma because like all of us have been shit on to some extent. So all of us can relate to Joseph. But I guess I'm especially shit on, or at least I feel it in my head. So that's what I battle with that. So, but resilience is still breathing is like, I'm still living today. So that's a resilient feature. So when bad things happen, am I resilient and bad things happen in your life? Like somebody said, they, you know, are you, how resilient are you? And so, so someone was rebuffed at an air, air, airport, rebuffed for five minutes late. And like, to me, I'd be pissed. I, like she was, everybody's pissed, right? Rebuffed, it's just how, and there's no right or wrong answer. She was resilient, they were resilient. They're like, okay, they dealt with it. It's resiliency. Now, I'm resilient in another way. I'd probably be like, this is ridiculous. I'd be getting out my iTunes and saying, here, listen to this song by Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? You know, does anybody really know what time it is? I'm five minutes late. Give me the damn tickets. I'm getting on the plane. It doesn't leave for an hour and a half. He told me it was a half hour late. What the hell? You know, now am I better than anybody? It was my response. That's me. That's how I deal with it. I'd probably be furious and make a scene, but that's because, and some people would say, well, you're an asshole. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. That's my, my way of being resilient is, is kind of like, I'm not taking no for this. Other people are resilient in other ways and they took another tactic and neither one is right or wrong. I, I, I guess I'm getting used to that. So that's an, that's a maturity too. It's like neither resilient decision-making or dealing with it is right or wrong. There's which one of those would be right. The bully who like gets upset and pissed and is like, this is ridiculous. You sent me a text. And it's like, oh, I'm not reading this small print in French anyways. What the hell? You know, what are you selling me, sending me this shit for? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So if the one listener made it this far, she's probably getting a kick out of it. So that's resilient. And then the brainstorming solution finder. So uh, these are related to these gifts, strengths. Apparently I have an ideation. I like to ideate. My personality is like coming up with ideas. I'm a brainstormer, blah, blah, blah. It's like, where does that person fit? Where, where does that person do the best work brainstorming? I don't, I'm still finding out. But I'll, I'll go after a solution. I'll find a 
find a solution to any problem. Bring me a problem and I'll work it out, think about ideas. There's really not that many, right? I mean, think about the person that got five minutes late to the airport. Either you go along with it and you just take it and you're resilient and you, you work around it and you, they, they ended, I think they ended up paying up more, paying for another ticket and just doing stupid stuff according to them, right? But they just compliant, like, okay, we're here, we're gonna do it, we'll do it this way, we'll put up with it. And they'll write a letter to the airlines later and maybe they'll get all their money back and just get something out of it. But they decided not to make a scene at the airport. I would have been like, really just like, look around like, you gotta be kidding me. Five minutes, you told me 30 minutes late. You know, oh, but the fine print says you still have to check in on time. Well, what, what, the, what, 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 what? <laughs> you sent me this text and told me the top line message is 30 minutes late, okay? So it's a very valid assumption to say everything's pushed back 30 minutes, right? Otherwise, why send the text? Perfect, this, this family had, the, I wasn't even there, but they had, this is my problem solving, right? I'm a solution finder, right? And I probably dig in on the final solution right away, which is to be a bully and just force my way on, which isn't the only solution, unfortunately, but it, to me, it's the preferred one. But um, anyway, where, so I'm a brainstormer, so I, I process quickly. So one of the blind spots for me is I do those processing like I already know that there's, yeah, I could just like, there are alternatives. Yeah, I could go later. I can go tomorrow. What? But what makes most sense, the absolute thing that makes most sense is to let the people on the damn plane. It's five minutes, people. What the hell? The plane's not leaving for a half hour, right? Work something out. Get them on the plane. What are these? These people are here to fly on a plane that leaves in an hour and a half. What do we got to do to get them on the plane? Oh, we're going to hide behind a rule, five-minute rule? What the hell? What the hell? Anyway, so that's my solution finder thing. And I go to there quickly, and people get pissed. But what do I learn from that? Oh, if I'm a, such a frickin' great brainstormer, let's talk about all the options first. And you say, oh, be real kind. I, I'm always kind, but it just comes, I think I'm kind all the time. <laughs> but it doesn't matter if I think I'm kind, it's how people feel. And so if I'm standing, I can just visualize myself at the counter, just kind of like, you, you have this bewildered look on my face and look at them in the eye and go like, you've got to be kidding me. Five minutes, what? And, uh, yeah, so that's over with that person, that, that family was resiliently, they made it through, they made it fine. Their solution was just as valid as mine. They're back home. It's over with. It's a history. It's a story. And, uh, only reason I know it, cause it impacted her, you know, she talked about it in her own way in her own thing. So I'm a brainstorming solution finder. And the last one is intentional people connector. So this comes from, I do like to connect people. I'm a people, I like, I, you know, what does it mean? You know, they say, don't say you're a people person, right? So how about people connector and intentional? So I hate the word intentional because um, people use it for a church, right? Like they say, oh, be intentional father, you know be intentional, you know, nurturer, right? But that gets back to gifts. I'm not a nurturer. That's not my gift. So don't tell me to be intentional nurturing person, intentional father, you know, like I didn't grow up with that environment. I'm not gifted that way. So don't tell the whole church, like every father 
has to nurture their children a certain way. It's just not realistic. But that's, that's my beef with the churches type thing, the preaching and stuff. So, but ironically, I did one of these like personality tests or strengths type tests. And it said one of my number one, <laughs> my number one uh, gift or a characteristic is intentional. And I'm like, what? I hate that word intentional. How could that be like my top, one of my top, what is it? Uh, dang, I have to remember what it is now. It's the uh, core drivers or core competencies or something. I could probably look it up here because of all these electronics. Um, and I, I'll find it here in a second. But intentional being meaning um, that you are, it's a trimetrics thing. Um, and I will look it up here in a second. Trimetrics, DNA, it's the... Um, what do we got here? General characteristics. What is the term I'm looking for? Communicating and uh, natural styles, time wasters. Yeah, I'm, I'm all over that. Uh, there's behavioral hierarchy, uh, success, driving forces. So these are my driving forces. My number one driving forces is in primary driving forces. My driving force is intentional. People who are driven to assist others for a specific purpose, not just for the sake of being helpful or supportive. That's my number one thing, folks. Can I, can I go with that? And I'm like, I think exactly. This is exactly my, you know, quote unquote, my problem is I need to, I'll be intentional, damn it. I'm going to be the most intentional person in the world. Look at my scores. I'm number one. My primary driving force is being intentional, okay? But it's got to be for a specific purpose, not just for the sake of being helpful or supportive. <laughs> and unfortunately, my purposes have been around business or career. And so I, I don't see being helpful in the family or supportive and nurturing as being purposeful. But really, maybe this is the big aha moment where my spirit should be crushed. Is that no, really being a father, uh, being a husband, that is my main purpose. So this is like coming to, a, I'm expressing this for the first time, which is because that's how these podcasts go, is they're just revelations. And I don't know if they're revelations, but they're just my mind processes this way. I, I freaking process. So this is not a polished podcast, and no one, I don't know, I, I hope I get some feedback about this someday. Who knows? Maybe I'll just delete it. Maybe I won't even publish it, because it's embarrassing in a way, isn't it? But let me end it on a positive. So my driving force is, in, is intentional, but also I'm a language person. I know I'm a language person. So words, I twist words like I, you know, my, if my purpose is to sell something, I take a word and I try to, you know, emphasize what's important to try to get influence other people right so this is so funny because one of the, the things from a pulpit from a pastor sitting there is when a pastor says like oh you got to be intentional man you got to you know be intentional with your family and you know go out and do these activities and do these things and i resist that because i'm like no i don't want to i don't want to do what you tell me to do you know 
isn't there isn't there the holy spirit this is where i'm probably drawn to the holy spirit is like i want to walk in the spirit man that's what i want to do and so if i don't walk in the spirit if someone says well where's this fruit of love it's there i I, people just have to (laughs) why assume this is where we get in in trouble with meeting people is we look at their body language i've done this with people too i do it myself it's a failure mode of like assuming other people's motives about stuff and my actually my motivation of criticizing or commenting about mary and martha is actually my intention and my motive is just goodness like make things better but a pastor doesn't want to hear that things should be better they 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 put these hours into getting ready for a 30-minute talk and you know the last thing they want to do is like you know they know it's probably imperfect and they know it's probably not exactly the ideal thing for everybody but they don't want someone coming up to them afterwards and going Hey, man, did you ever think of this? <laughs> but, but like, I'm like so insensitive. I'm like, well, I don't care. You know, I'm telling you what I think. You, 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 I had to sit through and listen to you for 30 minutes. And so I'm telling you what I think about it. <laughs> don't, don't you think you'd be interested in knowing what someone thinks about it? And it kind of cracks me up because Rob Bell talks about how he would prepare for a sermon, give a sermon, and then he gets these crazy responses. Not crazy, but good ones, good responses. Like, oh, that was really helpful, Pastor. Like, you know, I, I really felt like my, my, this really spoke to me in my relationship with my mother-in-law and about this, this, and this. And then, and then Rob Bell's like, what? That, how did you get that out of the sermon? So that's where if we acknowledge the Spirit of God when we're speaking, Everybody's going to get something different out of it. So I guess maybe that's this podcast message. Listen to it. I have good intentions. I'm not looking for feedback. I sort of am, do I? I'm a, I'm a feedback drama queen, let's say. But what this does is it, I'm just expressing it in, out into the world. And probably every human being probably does what I'm doing in their head. They just don't podcast. <laughs> they just they just don't podcast it. But oh yeah, some bottom line intentional. Maybe I'll call the podcast intentional. Maybe that'll get some in being intentional. So I am driven to assist others, right? But it's gotta be for a specific purpose. And if I don't value that purpose, I ain't gonna help you, man. <laughs> so that's on me. That's why people hate me, probably. I don't know. I'm resourceful, receptive. People who are driven by new ideas, that's me, methods, opportunities, that find fall outside a defined system for living. Yeah, that's me. That's why that thing last night. Intellectual. People are driven by opportunities to learn, acquire knowledge, and the discovery of truth. Well, that's what program management really isn't about that. It's, it's, it's squeezing into a process so that's just not me man but there's got to be a place for me somewhere and in the church i'd say i'm a prophet my gift is prophecy i will speak truth to power oh yeah speak truth to power man in this case is the power that the shepherds over the flock have <laughs> and uh and being submissive to the shepherds who don't understand spiritual gifts or the body or that maybe that Michael Ward isn't so contentious. Maybe Michael's not so contrarian and unruly. Maybe he's just 
touched by the Spirit of God and he feels like he needs to say something. Do I have something to say, as Rob would say? Something to say. Marinating. This is my big marinating time. 